0: Well, as I said, you know, I'm bringing this uh, legacy series to ho- at home. And lest you think you've gotten away lightly, I want to ask you guys a question. What's your legacy? What's your legacy? No, I did not ask you, are you going to leave a legacy? But what your legacy is. Is it going to be lasting? Is it going to be impactful? Have you ever thought that? Have you ever wondered that? You know the truth is, in the spheres of influence that we find ourselves in, with our friends, our family, where we work, where we play, the world around us, we have an opportunity to leave a lasting legacy, we'll all leave something, right? History will look back and our footprints will be here, some of them will be soft, some may be harder than others, but every one of us will leave a legacy. And so the question is this morning for you, what lasting legacy will you leave this morning? You know, my brother and his family were over from Australia recently, and he and I had the opportunity to go to the West End and see a fantastic musical called Hamilton. Has anyone heard of that? Yeah, absolutely. It's sweeping all the Tony Awards in the U.S. and Olivier Awards, breaking records for nominations. And we managed to get two tickets, the the last two tickets for a matinee performance. And if you don't know, very briefly, it's about Alexander Hamilton, one of the founding fathers of the U.S. Constitution, or the U.S., uh, the U.S.A. And largely forgotten. Until recently, an author wrote a biography on Alexander Hamilton. And then Lin-Manuel, who um, wrote Hamilton the Musical, took that. And it's become what it's become. It's a hip-hop musical. I'd encourage you to see it if you can. But you know, I was struck with a line in one of the songs. And a kind of a central motif was this. History has its eye on you. Oh, what a line. History has its eye on you. Indeed, his story has its eye on you. Did you know that we're all part of his story? Think about it. History has its eye on you. And there was a line that said, what will history say of you? And I want to pose that question, and that's something I've been thinking about. And you know, in Hebrews 11, it's a very famous passage. It is the roll call of heroes of faith, isn't it? By faith. It's a roll call of lasting legacies. You know, Abraham left the safety of his home when God said, go, I'm going to create a nation. Joseph He left a lasting legacy, didn't he? He used his position in Egypt to feed his family and save Israel. Rahab the prostitute, she helped two Israelite spies escape so they could go and report to their commanders. She left a lasting legacy. There are 13 ordinary people listed there serving an extraordinary God, leaving a lasting legacy. That's the kingdom message, isn't it? Ordinary people like you and me, serving an extraordinary God and he is calling each one of us this morning to leave a lasting legacy and that's what I want to briefly look at this morning and I want to teach very briefly on three key principles on how you leave a lasting legacy. As I've studied the word, studied church history, I've kind of distilled it down into three L's and I want to briefly touch on these. We haven't got time to go deep, maybe next year we'll go deeper. But here's the first one, are you ready? The first L to leave a lasting legacy is this, listen to him. Listen to him. You know, we need to position ourselves to listen to him. How do we do that? Firstly, we need to recognize that he has a plan for our lives, that he loves us enough, that he cares for us enough, that he thinks highly of us enough, that he has a plan. And you know, it's a sad thing, but I've spoken to so many Christians that say they listen to God, but they're not tuned in. Why? Because they don't think God's got anything to say to them. You think, well, you know, God's got something for the person next to me, but not me. And as soon as you think that, you're not going to be able to listen to God. You've got to tune in. And for some of you this morning, this might be an opportunity to open your eyes and say, you know what, God has a plan for me. God has a plan for me. You know, we are created in his image, Right? So if we believe that, what do we believe? That we're going to do great things. We were not born for mediocrity. We were born to do great and amazing things to be part of his story. So let's get out of this, well, God's going to not, not going to talk to me. Yes, he will. Second of all, it requires a humble heart. Humility. What does that mean? Humility is not, I'm the smallest of the small. That's false humility. Humility is this. Are you ready? A recognition that his plan is better than our own. What do we? Proverbs three, five, and six. How many times have we preached it from here? Trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own. Understand him, acknowledge him, or subject yourselves to him in all your ways, and then what? That's humility, guys. You want a definition? That right there. And for some, I say, yeah, God's got a plan for me. I'll listen, but secretly we say saying we got my own plan. You won't listen to God. Third, it takes effort to seek him, to be wait and to be still. Let me just say this, God does not need to speak louder, we need to listen harder. Oh Lord, i tell you something, in this Facebook consuming, Snapchat snacking, Instagram taking pictures, tweeting tweeting world, we have become so distracted that we can't listen. I'm not saying these things are bad in themselves, they're great tools, but they're tools. We have got a generation, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to say, that won't truly know who God is because we can't truly know what it means to be still. That is the danger of this age. Let me read Deuteronomy 32, 1, 2. Give ear, O heavens, and what does God say? And I will speak, and let the earth hear the words of my mouth. May my teaching drop as the rain, my speech distill as the dew like gentle rain upon the tender grass and like showers upon the herb. That is our God. He is speaking. And yet we need to go away and lock ourselves into that private place and say, so I'm going to sit down here and get on my knees until you speak, Lord. Don't let the enemy distract you so much. It's like when you are in a car and you're going really fast, right? And all of a sudden someone stops, you know, and you have to brake suddenly. And all of a sudden, everything that's under the seats comes into full view, doesn't it? Oh, I didn't know I had that there. Oh, look, that's what I was missing. You know what? Life is like that, isn't it? We go so fast, and sometimes we need to stop. And then it comes into view, and we hear the small whisper of God. And maybe this morning that's your challenge. Yes, you have humility of heart. Yes, you know God has a plan, but you're walking and running so quickly, you won't be still and know that he is God. All right, that's the first L, listen to him. Second L, take a leap of faith. You see, when God speaks, we have a choice. Do we obey or do we ignore? Let me say this, write this down. God's path will always require you to see beyond yourself and your capabilities. Let me say that again. God's path will always require you to see beyond yourself and your capabilities. You know, there's a famous healing evangelist in uh, in the U.S. in the 50s, um, 1950s, called Catherine Coleman. Some of you might have heard of her. And someone once asked her, "What is faith?" And she said, "This: Faith is when you quit believing what you see, and start seeing what you believe." Whoa, whoa! I'm going to read that again. Faith is when you quit believing what you see and start seeing what you believe. Why? Because his plan will always look impossible unless he shows up, and that is the whole point. What are we here for? To glorify God and to enjoy him forever. How do we do that? By walking in the impossible. And so following God's call, you see, therefore will always require you to step out in faith. And here's the other thing, Chris talked about this last week. It requires you to let go of your own agenda, to die to self. It's opposite, as Chris said, to the gospel of America. It's not bashing America, it's a gospel that we see here, which is name it, claim it, and it's easy peasy. No, it's not. Just as that mustard steed drops, small beginnings. We need to diet to self and say, Lord, you know what? I'm just gonna go for it. Even if I look a fool, I'm gonna trust you. Even if I have to get rid of my comforts, so I'm gonna trust you. Even if I'm left to say to friends, I'm not gonna go and do what you wanna do, I'm gonna trust you. That's what faith is. And here it says leap. You know, I've gotta say, friends, it's not about a toe in. it's about leaping. If you leap into a pool, you get immersed. If you put your toe in, you just get a little bit of water. When God calls you, I've seen so many people miss out on what God has for them because they put one foot here and one foot in their security. God requires us to leap in. Are you all in? If you wanna leave a lasting legacy, you have gotta be all in. The third L, you ready? Lean into him. You see, we cannot do it on our own strength. We cannot do it on our own strength. You know, faith doesn't have a plan B. And so we therefore need to lean on him, he's our plan A. You know, Rick, at the first uh, week of the series, looked at the parable of the vine, didn't he? John 15, we are required to what? Abide in him, and what happens? We bear, we bear a lasting legacy. When the going gets tough, and the heat is up, and the chips are down, and it looks like we've made a big mistake, we lean into him. Because this path of faith, this leaving a lasting legacy, is not going to be easy. Psalm 1-3, it talks about a person that leans into him. It says this, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. That's what leaning into him looks like. And for some of you this morning, you've listened to him. You've taken that leap of faith. But what you found is very, and I've done this in my life, very slowly, you started doing it on your own strength all over again. And God is gracious and he allows the heat to be turned up for you to say, oh wow, he's over there and I'm here. And what do you do? You lean back into him. And that's what we find with these heroes of the faith in Hebrews 11. They listened to him. Abraham positioned himself with humility of heart. They took a leap of faith, and they leant into him. I want to introduce you to modern day heroes of the faith, Chris and Fliss. These modern heroes of the faith, look at the lasting legacy. Thousands have walked through these doors over the years, and lives been changed and transformed. And each one of you are here because of a lasting legacy they have left. Countless churches have been planted—about ten—who have some have gone on to plant their own churches. A lasting legacy. Hundreds of leaders walking in the five-fold ministry, impacting the world around them. Why? Lasting legacy and a body of people here right now making an impact in the world and having an opportunity to leave our own lasting legacy. Why? Because they listened to him. They felt the stirrings of the Spirit. And they humbled themselves and they acknowledged that God had a plan for them. A better plan than their own plan. And they made a choice to listen. Why? Because they obeyed and took a leap of faith. They died to themselves and their own agenda, and they went all in. Got rid of the business, didn't care about the comforts, and said, Lord, we trust you for ourselves and for our family. They believed the impossible. They went all in. And why? They lent into him. When the going was hard, and we will never know the stories, they pressed in harder. And when the going was good, they said, it's all about him. And as they abided in him, fruit came. A lasting legacy was birthed. They stayed the course. They've left a lasting legacy. And rather than be in the end, <clears throat> they enter a new chapter, listening to him, taking a leap of faith and leaning into him and we owe you a debt of gratitude for the lasting legacy you've left us and so let us all stand and honor our founding pastors Chris and Fliss
1: Thank you guys. We get it. We feel loved, we get it, we get it. Um, Flissy, just before you, you go down, let's just. we wanted to say a few thank yous. I, there is a little word I wanna share, uh, but um, and we haven't rehearsed this, but we, we wanna say s- straight off, we want to say uh, thank yous. We wanna say thank you uh, f- to our staff over the years. We've had just the most amazing staff, and um, I was was telling a group on Friday night that uh, really we have always said that God sends great people to us. We've always had great people on staff. Uh, I see some of you here, some past and present, Uh, but right from the beginning, God has sent us just amazing people, and and every one of them, God bless them, uh, was looking to Jesus just as Marcus taught there was there was a hallmark about them that they were listeners you know and that they they were willing to take that leap of faith and often take financial risks to work for us didn't they and um, what was the last thing you said I dropped off I'm sorry oh yeah that's it um and they leaned into Jesus we do have some fun um uh, and, uh, yeah, we, they, they just leaned into Jesus. And I think um, all Felicity and I would probably want to say is that, you know, when, when you've given everything, when you've given up careers, when you've given up, you know, when you have no more money, when you feel absolutely exhausted, when you are at the end of yourself, that is when suddenly you really realize that Jesus can be trusted as long as there's some vestige of self, there's always vestige of self. But it's when you, when you know that one more blow or one more disappointment or one more financial calamity and that's it. That's when you discover that Jesus is to be trusted. Now the two-thirds world, of course, knows this because they live hand-to-mouth day by day. But... We we are learning that in our society, those of us who are followers of Jesus. So we want to say thank you to all the staff we've had. I want to say again thank you to the staff and volunteers who made such a wonderful event last night. We want to sp- uh, thank all of our leaders. Uh, we have over a hundred leaders, you know, and uh, we've always loved hanging out with them. We have some wonderful Christmas parties together, don't we? And uh, we also just want to say thank you, you know, to you, the church. Um, you know, we, we have felt greatly loved. This We've always felt loved. But we felt greatly loved this last week or so, haven't we? Yeah. I've probably covered it all, darling, but you just want to add yeah. anything? I think he has covered it all, as usual. <laughs> Not left me very much to say, except it's just, it's really lovely this morning just to uh, hear the worship you know coming from this room this morning was just so moving and you know as we sort of said lord may it be a sweet sweet sound in your ear you know it's just very very moving to me and i'm just very very grateful that you know you are the fruit of what jesus has done you know and um i want to i want to glorify him and give him you know give him the glory so yeah thanks everyone <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Okay. <clears throat> I've just got. Uh, I wanted to share a little verse, or two or three verses. Won't take more than ten minutes, tops. And uh, uh, and just to leave with you, you know, the the, the 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 truth is that Felicia and I aren't going anywhere. We we may not. We may be absent for a few weeks. We do need to take stock. We do need to have a bit of a rest. But we hope to continue our new chapter here with you, and we're excited about the future, and we're excited about what Jesus is already doing in this place. We're excited about Mark and Steph. We love them. We honor them. We respect them. Uh, you know, I was at a—well, I'm not going to say that now because it would be too embarrassing. But anyway, so, so we're looking forward to this next chapter. So, you know, hopefully, um, you know, I, I, I might sit where— I might change my seat slightly. I might sit where Sarah is at the moment, and not not in that corner seat, you know. But uh, anyway, let me just read this little passage of scripture. There's so much I want to say, but I want to just be really succinct. And this is from uh, the first letter of Timothy, uh, in chapter one. And uh, we're going to be starting a series, I believe, next week. Uh, Rich is going to kick us off, called True Sayings. And this is, uh, those are all Jesus' true sayings. He would say, you know, truly, truly, or verily, verily, in the old version, it's basically Jesus saying, now listen up, pay attention to this, guys. Well, Paul had a similar device. He would say, here's a trustworthy, and so it's kind of, here's a trustworthy saying, it means, listen up, pay attention to this. If you forget everything else I said, says Paul, remember this. And there's a few of those, so... This one I just want to share with you because it strikes me as being really a distillation of of what uh, Fliss and I have been about. So it says this, uh, 1 Timothy 1.15. Here is a trustworthy saying, there you go, that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst but that for that very reason I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Three quick things. A trustworthy saying Christ Jesus came to the world to save sinners. Luke 19.10 at the story of Zacchaeus sums up, Jesus sums it up. He says, the reason the Son of Man came was to seek and to save sinners. There's another expression a bit like that where there's a reason why the Son of Man came and it says the reason the Son of Man came was to undo the works of the enemy and that's in 1 John. But Jesus says the reason that the Son of Man came, Luke 19.10, was to seek and to save the lost. And I, I, you know, if, you, if you forget everything else, if you forget everything I've ever said, remember that this is what this church is about. You know, God, because he trusts us, and it is trust, he's giving us, as we've said a lot recently, all sorts of extraordinary opportunities to minister the kingdom of God into the community. But let us never get so caught up with that and the accolades of men and people saying to us, oh, you're doing such a fantastic job, that we forget that as followers of Jesus, we are all about our Father's business, and he is seeking and saving the lost. Seeking and saving the lost. Now, Paul goes on to say, you know, I'm a sinner, he says. He says, in fact, I'm the worst of sinners. And he's he's not being kind of, uh, and he's not exaggerating. Uh, Whether he's the worst of sinners is only for God to know. But, of course, many of you will know that Paul actively persecuted to death early Christians. And then God called him and saved him. So he was very aware because of his history of his... Uh, you know, what he had done to injure the baby church of Christ. So he's speaking from the heart here. But I want it to be absolutely clear, and I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not kind of shrug off, shrugging off the lovely things that you've said about us. In fact, we're struggling to receive it, but we are honestly trying to work on that. Both Flissy and I, as we stand here, we are sinners saved. We are sinners saved. We're not nice people who became nicer and therefore we became pastors. We are sinners saved. You know, there, there is a very real sense where, where Flissy and I are aware that, I mean, the way we were going before Jesus intervened in our life for the second time, I have to add, our marriage was probably 18 months away from divorce. We were becoming what they call married singles. We were married, but we had completely separate lives. It was just getting tough. And the culture was, well, if it gets that tough, you've only got one life. You know, I need to be true to myself and go and find another partner. God intervened. You know, there were lots of things that I've done. Some of you know about it in my earlier life, which I'm not proud of. Both Flissy and I are sinners saved. And if any of you have snuck into church and falling, fallen into the way of religion and fallen into the way of being vineyard and, 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 and you were nice and you're just being nicer now but have not had that revelation, that sense that there but for the grace of God you would be hell bound, you really do need to seek his face. Because the scripture says all have fallen short of the glory of God. No one here, no matter how bright and shiny they look or how well they talk or whatever, is in that fortunate place of not needing God's forgiveness and salvation. So let this church, whatever it does, let every ministry, we talk about, in our community care stuff, we talk about redemptive kindness. Everything we do should have that redemptive track. We should understand that we are doing this because we want people to know Jesus. We're doing that because we want people to know Jesus, and so on and so forth. So let it be under no illusion for all the lovely things you said. Flissie and I are sinners saved, there but for the grace of God. And then out of that, you find that you wanna say thank you to Jesus. And so all of this that we have been part of, and I say part of because it's not been all down to us, What Flessy and I have done seemed reasonable, not unreasonable, not sort of fanciful. It did not seem like too much that Jesus should ask for us to attempt this in His name, because we were just so profoundly grateful, and we wanted to say thank you. You want our life? I take it. Yeah. If you can do something with it, it's a bit messed up, to be honest. It's a bit icky. There's a few sort of cracks. We're, we're not, you know, wouldn't you prefer to let us go away and get perfect and then come back to you, Lord? No. He takes us just as we are. And the reason he does that is, as Paul says, he does it to exhibit his greatness and his glory. It's not, oh, Chris made a really good effort. Do you know what he used to be like? Oh, my goodness, but he's so nice now. It's not that way. And so all of this has been Flissy and my reasonable response to a God who has saved us because we are sinners. The call and the response will be different for each one, but that's us. And out of that, as we surrender, and as Mark says so well, as we listen, you know, as we take that leap of faith, as we lean into him, we find praise rising up in the most darkest of moments, and we find ourselves encountering not just the Lord Jesus, but we encounter the heavenly host, and we find ourselves in a community of believers, singing as we did, not you know, not 30 minutes ago, feeling like the roof has come off and the angels are singing with us and we get caught up into something so glorious and bigger and better than we could ever have dreamt of. That like Paul, we end up saying, now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God Be honor and glory forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Amen. Bless you guys. Let's stand and pray. Father, uh, it has been our Extraordinary good fortune. It has been such a blessing to us. Uh, We were told that we were being foolish. People came, good people, kind, well-meaning people came and tried to sow seeds of fear unintentionally. But they were saying things, what if it fails, what if, what that. But Lord God... By your grace and with your encouragement and your tender loving kindness, we've been able to trust you. And Lord God, it is so much better than we could have ever believed. And we thank you, Lord, as a community for the plans and the purposes you have for us. I know the plans and purposes I have for you. Plans not to harm you, but to give you a hope and a future. And Lord, we embrace those And we say, as we've said so many times, lead on, Lord Jesus. Lead on. Amen. Amen.